There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, hour number two of the program. I am Mark Zinno. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us as we uh, get you set for a day's full of handicapping here in the NBA as well. Uh, we got preview of the national championship tomorrow night coming up. We'll get to some Major League Baseball as the season about to get underway here in uh, less than a week now. So uh, we are inching closer to Major League Baseball. Thank God they didn't screw that up, even though it was a uh, uh, a little bit of a hiccup there on the road. Uh, we, we are glad that we're going to get baseball back as we go forward here. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Appreciate you guys again spending your stunning morning with us here till 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Later on this hour, we'll get back to the NFL draft. Uh, Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports going to join us as we'll look at the NFL and the odds for the number one overall pick and who may be rising and falling up draft boards and where you can find some value. So we'll do that again. We'll get into Major League Baseball win totals as well. But Last night, it was the national semifinal of men's college basketball in the NCAA tournament, and it was a game where uh, Kansas and Villanova showcased uh, the very best of what they are, and unfortunately, the best wasn't enough for Villanova because they are going home. Kansas is going on to the national title game, and as somebody who backed Villanova, and again, I was on Villanova Island for uh, what, what it felt like during the uh, game to get into the final four against Houston. And uh, I backed them a lot in this tournament. They were very good to me. And I kind of rode that train all the way till it hit the station. And it did last night, but it, it didn't get to that station without a monumental performance uh, and a historic performance from Kansas from this standpoint. And I saw this on Twitter this morning from Jesse Newell, who covers the Jayhawks uh, in Kansas that Kansas scored 1.398 points per possession last night. That's the highest mark against Villanova's defense, not only all this season, not only over the last two seasons, not only since Villanova's last national title, but in the last five years. And the Kansas Jayhawks did that while scoring zero fast break points. It's the first time all season long the Jayhawks did not score a single point in transition. Kansas only had 58 possessions last night. That was the slowest tempo game for the Jayhawks since 2016. Uh, It took that kind of effort from Kansas from a shooting standpoint where they shot 54% from three and only 53% from the field. Uh, you, it's not often you shoot better from three than you do from the field. But when you do, you're going to win more basketball games than you're ever going to lose. Uh, and from that standpoint, you know, it just, it was one of those performances of Kansas where Villanova did everything that they were supposed to do defensively. Um, they just couldn't stop Kansas from making threes and couldn't stop Kansas from making any shot that they took. 
Uh, Villanova's defense, you give them credit because I know the final score said 81 to 56, and it didn't look like it was a close game. But man, it was uh, 81 to 65, rather. But it was a lot closer than, than you want to recognize and give a ton of credit to the Villanova Wildcats for being able to do it without one of their best players in Justin Moore, who was clearly injured and didn't play. Um, and, and I think he meant something to them emotionally, but I don't know that he would have made a difference the way Kansas was making shots last night. It just didn't feel like it. Uh, I, I, I read this game wrong, and I read it wrong from the standpoint of I could not have predicted Kansas to shoot this well. You know, I, I, I had Villanova in the game, minus four, uh, plus four and a half. I had Villanova in the first half and the under. Uh, and, and none of that came through because Kansas was making shots. And, and uh, Agbaji had his best game of the tournament by far. He finally felt like he was an impact player uh, in a lot of the games that, that Kansas had played or the four previous games they played to this point. You know, he only had five points against Providence, a very quiet 15 against Creighton in, in, in a seven-point game. You know, and so he just never really felt like he was a huge. He only had 11 points for his Texas Southern in the opening round. And never really felt like he was a huge presence. But he drains three three-pointers in the first half, goes three for four from deep, um, shoots 75% from the field yesterday, and puts up 21 points. And for the first time, again, you felt like Abaji was really, <clears throat> excuse me, the the player that you thought he was going to be all tournament long, and it showed up for for Kansas, and they advance on to the national championship game, uh, and they do so in sort of fashion where they didn't really have to work that hard. Um, you know, the most minutes played last night was by Agbaji, who played 36. Uh, everybody else played less minutes than that, and so um, I say that to bring up a point about UNC. Uh, and handicapping the national title game. We'll get to that in a minute. But UNC and North Carolina, uh, UNC rather, and Duke played a game for the ages. It was an amazing game to watch. It was a ton of fun back and forth. I think it were, we were 18, 19 lead changes in the game. Duke had the largest lead at one point by seven, and that was it. But you give a ton of credit to the Tar Heels between Armando Baycott, who had his third consecutive game with 20-plus rebounds. Uh, Caleb Love had 28. He was phenomenal. Yeah. Brady Manick added in 14. I mean, it was just a game where you looked at all of the players for UNC and all five of them, at least the starters, did exactly what you expected them to do. Uh, and in fact, UNC only had two bench points last night of their 81. Uh, everything else came from the starters. Uh, it, it was just a, a fun, exciting game to watch in UNC would not go away. They dominated on the glass. They had 50 rebounds compared to just 41 of Duke. And, you know, I give Duke a, a lot of credit because they did not play a, a bad game. You know, it's not like Duke's defense was really all that much of a liability uh, as they had been in other points. These are very average numbers, uh, allowing their opponent to shoot 42% and only 38% from three. And again, you know, uh, they, they made their threes North Carolina did. So you give them some credit. 38% is not terrible. If you do that over the course of the season, you're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. But still, uh, this is a spot where Duke missed some threes early on. I don't think they made their first three till the second half of the game. And that may have hurt them from a pace and flow standpoint and why they really could never build a consistent lead. But they were in the game the whole time. I and mean, it was back and forth. So there's no reason to believe that um, their three-point shooting was part of were a major reason why they lost the game. You know, it was a close game down the stretch and, and a couple of possessions and a couple of rebounds from, from North Carolina ultimately sealed it and made the difference. Uh, but still, Boncaro had 20 points and 10 rebounds. Um, it was a game where off the bench, you know, uh, Trevor Keels had 19 points. So this is a spot where uh, both of these teams spent a lot of emotional energy on this game and and how fitting is it that if coach K wasn't going to cut down the nets and win a national title, that his career ends against his rival in North Carolina, who, Oh, by the way, as I mentioned, only had two bench points last night, a total of 13 minutes from non-starters in the game. Uh, when you look at all of their guys who played last night, um, leaky back played 40 minutes. Caleb love played all 40 minutes. Brady Manick played 38 or uh, Armando Baycott would have played more except he fouled out. Uh, with about three minutes left, and R.J. Davis played 36. So there was not a lot of minutes played, and uh, our, our guest, Matt Josephs, last hour, mid-major Matt, uh, fantastic college basketball handicapper, has taken Kansas minus two and a half in the first half. Why? And I agree with the handicap 100%. It's going to be some tired Tar Heels, man, not only emotionally, but physically, because they played more. They only went eight guys deep, and as I said, it was a total of 13 bench minutes 
from the North Carolina Tar Heels, whereas Kansas uh, was able to get, you know, six, seven, eight guys in the lineup on a routine basis um, because they, they didn't they didn't really have to be pushed. You know, Remy Martin played 21 minutes off the bench. Uh, Lightfoot played nine minutes off the bench. Uh, Mitch Lightfoot. And so nobody played more than 36 minutes last night, except for Agbaji, who played the most. Uh, and he did that because he was playing well and shooting well. So I think Kansas is the better rested team. Uh, and from that standpoint, they didn't have the emotional exhaustion that North Carolina has. So I think it's a great play uh, from Matt Josephs, who, who joined us earlier, to take Kansas minus two and a half in the first half for the game. It's Kansas minus four and a half. Uh, with a total of 153, I've said it repeatedly, it's over or a pass. I don't think you sweat out an under in this spot. Probably would play the over for a small number at this point. Just got to double-check a couple more things, but that's my initial knee-jerk reaction. The one thing that makes me take Carolina with the points is the rebounding. Uh, and if you look at North Carolina and what they've done, as I mentioned, Armando Baycott, three consecutive games with at least 20 boards. And over the course of the last three games in this tournament, that's the Sweet 16, that's the Elite Eight, and the national semifinal, when you're talking about playing legit talent, when you're talking about playing talent that is comparable to you, uh, when you're a one seed like Kansas all the way across the board, North Carolina is out-rebounding Kansas 47-39 to 39 over the last three games. Kansas has not played dominant rebounding teams, like particularly Miami, who's a very bad rebounding team. It's not their strength. Uh, and even at that, they don't have more of a rebounding advantage or, or haven't closed the gap. For me, that's something that's super, super uh, important to note because for a team that likes to get out in transition, if you're not getting rebounds, you can't get out in transition. That's a big part of it for Kansas. And as I mentioned, I don't think that they'll be able to go through another game and win it without scoring a single bucket in transition, much like they did just against Villanova. That's a different game, different scenario, different team. Uh, and, and they're going to need to be able to get more than 58 possessions in a game if they want to win this thing. I wouldn't bank if I'm Bill Self on my team shooting 54% from three in back-to-back -back games and 53% from the field in back-to-back -back games. That's probably a poor strategy. You have to believe that um, UNC will provide a little bit more of a challenge, uh, especially on the perimeter from that standpoint. So, again, you know, uh, for the national championship game, Initial leans, again, we'll do a little bit more research here, but initial leans are UNC plus the four and a half. I will take Kansas minus two and a half in the first half just based off of the fact that North Carolina just played their Super Bowl. That was everything to them. Um, what a feather in their cap it is. And I, I did see some people on Twitter last night asking the question, is this game more important uh, than actually winning the national title? To some Tar Heel fans, it may be. They may tell you they don't care what happens. They beat Duke. They knocked him out. They ended Coach K's career exactly the way they wanted to, and that's everything that they were hoping to do. Uh, again, a total of 153. I, I'd lean on the over. I don't see there's any reason why all of a sudden defense would show up, especially for North Carolina, who is not really defensively focused or as far as focused on keeping the other team from preventing the ball to get in the net. Um, they've played a lot of high-scoring games. They got pushed the limit killer. Uh, and so, you know, uh, obviously they're not going to be pushed by St. Peter's, but, you know, UCLA was a little bit more of a lower scoring contest for them as well. Um, but I like North Carolina's offense, and I believe they'll push the pace. All right, coming up next, uh, we will take a turn to Major League Baseball as we have win totals and futures out for Major League Baseball, which gets underway within a week. Stay right here. Uh, we will handicap that next. I'm Mark Zeno. Follow me on Twitter, at Mark Zeno. We are watching and listening to Point Spread Sunday on Vston, the Sports Betting Network. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Point Spread Sunday is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. A fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to zinn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Welcome back into Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you guys spending your Sunday morning with me. We'll talk some NFL draft coming up as we inch closer uh, now that we are in the month of April and uh, we're getting closer to the NFL draft coming up. We'll look at uh, possibilities for the number one overall pick, first quarterback taken, things of that nature. Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports will join us uh, going forward as we take a look at the NFL draft. But Major League Baseball is almost here. Uh, within a week, we will have baseball games to watch and play and enjoy. And thank God I am excited. I love America's pastime. It's always been my first love. So uh, betting on baseball, always a lot of fun as well. But let's look at some win totals for the upcoming 2022 season and some places where I think that we can find some value and uh, try to take advantage of some numbers. We'll go division by division here. And I will give you each team that I think really can go over their win total. And I want to start in the AL and the American League East. And if you look at the win total numbers there, uh, at the top, it's the Toronto Blue Jays at 92.5, Tampa Bay at 90.5, uh, the Yankees at 91.5, uh, Boston at 84.5, and the Orioles at 63. Uh, I, I mean, 91.5 feels low for the Yankees. Uh, and, and again, I know how much the entire world is on the Toronto Blue Jays. It feels like everybody is backing the Blue Jays. And I get it, um, although I'm not really sure that I believe that the Blue Jays are going to win the World Series this year. Make the playoffs? Maybe. Um, last year, the Rays' win total was set at 86. I know that because I played the over and it came in easily. Uh, I think the Rays are undervalued again as well. But if the Yankees get the pitching that they got last year, uh, which is reasonably that they can, it's really boils down to the offense. You know, it boils down to is Aaron judge going to be healthy and playing 150, 155 games this year is John Carlos Stanton going to be able to, to play and hit 35, 40 home runs. You know, does DJ LeMayhew look like the guy he did in 2019 or does he look like the guy who couldn't get on base last year? Same thing with Glaber Torres. Uh, you know, I mean, th this, this lineup is good enough to, um, to be able to score runs, but that was their problem last year. It feels like, though, the Yankees can get to 92, 95 wins uh, and, and probably end up getting sent home and <laughs> getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs. But for me, uh, I, I feel like that's a little bit lower than I would have expected. And, and be honest with you, whoever wins this division is probably going to win about 98, 99 games. Uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if all three of those teams, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays, all went over 90. <clears throat> Excuse me. You get to play the Orioles 19 times a year. <laughs> so... Uh, when you do that, if you win 14 or 15 of those games, you know, it's certainly helping you push you over the edge. Uh, let's go on to the AL Central here, where 
this feels like a walk for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, as they are installed at 92 and a half wins the most. Then you have the Twins at 80 and a half, Detroit at 78 and a half, Cleveland at 76 and a half, and Kansas City at 74. I would have thought the White Sox would have been in the 95 range, honestly, um, just given based off of the fact of the division that they play in. Look, Minnesota is the only real other team that can provide them with any sort of challenge, right? And I even feel like Minnesota being below 500 or getting to the 500 mark this year is shorting them uh, because of their pitching staff. And so, and their lineup too. I mean, Minnesota, you know, it doesn't have a slouch of lineup. I know that they moved on from Donaldson and, uh, you know, things are a little bit different, but still that's a team that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. I, I don't I don't think that is is the issue for Minnesota. Uh, I like the White Sox over and I've leaned on the Minnesota over just because of the division that they play in. I don't know that anybody else is really good enough. With, with Detroit and Kansas City, again, that's 38 games. That's over... 40% of what you need to get to your win total. Uh, and again, you're not going to win all those games, but if you're winning 60, 70% of them, you're getting to the 30% point where uh, you know where 30% of your wins is needed to get to where you're going. So uh, again, White Sox and, and, and Minnesota there out in the West, you look at the numbers, the Houston Astros at 92 and a half, the highest L.A. and Seattle, the Angels and Mariners are at 84, Texas at 74 and a half, and Oakland at 69 and a half. Um, there's a lot to like about the West. I think the Mariners are a team that can go over their win total. Uh, I, I think the Texas Rangers can go over their win total. They'll be sneaky again this year like they were last year. It's hard for me to trust the Angels. I know they have the talent, uh, and, and I know they have the names on the roster that everybody knows, but I feel like um, – between Seattle and Texas, those are the two I'd lean on. And is Oakland going to be that bad? Is Oakland ever that bad? It's hard for me to remember when they were a 60, when they were a less than 70 win team. Yeah, I mean, that that just to me seems a little bit out of character. And again, I know that they've lost Matt Olson uh, and, and things have changed for them, but they get an influx of young talent from that trade. Uh, these kids will play. Will they be any good? I, some of them are supposed to be, yes. And so, you know, again, it's hard to say one way or another, but Oakland feels a little bit undervalued given the track record that they have for taking young talent, developing it, uh, and making them into a very competitive, very viable baseball team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the way the AL breaks down for me. Uh, over to the NL. And if you want to start with the NL East, I, I almost wanted to say this because this is the one division really that I, I scratch my head at and wonder – how this whole thing is going to play out. Um, the Braves at 91 and a half feel like they would go over. I, on paper, despite the fact they've lost Freddie Freeman, they may have a better team this year than last year, at least offensively. They're going to get Marcelo Zuna back, uh, and he's going to be a guy who can hit the ball out of the ballpark for them. They're going to score a ton of runs once again. They'll, they'll get Ronald Acuna healthy back. They still have Ozzy Albies, who had 30 home runs last year, 100 RBIs, uh, 20 stolen bases. I mean, you know, he, he was he's an undervalued player, underrated player for – the Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, this is going to be a very, very good team offensively. So I feel like that win total is a little bit short. But again, all those guys had good seasons last year. They just didn't put it all together. So I'm not sold on on the 91 wins. I'm never going to be sold on the Mets. Why? Because of the Mets. And no one's better at Metsing than the New York Mets. So how can you trust that team in any size, way, shape, or form? Uh, and then you look at Philadelphia. Miami and Washington. We know that those teams are going, well, at least Miami and Washington are going to struggle. Philadelphia was the one team I put a little question mark next to is going over 86 wins. I like the manager there. I like the lineup. I like the team. Um, can they get some more pitching, uh, more quality starting pitching? I think is, is a question for uh, Philadelphia and, and what do they look like uh, this year? Can they stay healthy enough? Um, you know, again, obviously they have the lineup, you know, they, they, they clearly have the guys uh, in that lineup who can hit the ball to the ballpark. I just, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to trust them um, given what I saw from them last year. You know, I get Bryce Harper should be in the MVP conversation. There's no reason that he wouldn't be. Um, but this is a Phillies team last year that was very, you know, uh, middle of the road from a pitching standpoint. You know, and I think they need to get better in that department if I'm going to trust them to get the 87 wins. But that's the one team I looked at and leaned on as a team that has a shot 
to go over their win total with some, or at least eliminating a lot of the variance there in the NL East. Let's move over to the NL Central. Uh, this team's almost like a layup to me with the Milwaukee Brewers at 90 wins. Again, both of these Central divisions are fairly weak. They're not, they're not the strongest divisions. Uh, Pittsburgh will be bad against Cincinnati's going to struggle. The Cubs are still rebuilding. So are, are any of those teams teams that you like? Uh, will the Cardinals be competitive? Of course they will. They got Albert Pujols back. They got Albert Pujols in 2022, not 2012 Albert Pujols, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Milwaukee's got the bullpen. Um, they certainly have a lineup that can score runs, uh, and they have one of the best starting staffs overall in Major League Baseball. What's the reason not to think that this team um, is going to be very good once again and win over 90 games? If nobody in this division wins over 90 games, I'd be very, very shocked. Uh, Milwaukee should win this division fairly easily and easily get over the 90-win plateau. Over to the NL West. Uh, I went back to the well here with the San Francisco Giants. I mean, honestly, at 84 and a half wins, are we undervaluing this team? I think Gabe Kapler, say what you will about him, I think he's a good manager. Uh, I think he knows how to motivate his guys. Giants had the second best starting year or second best ERA of any team in baseball last year. Uh, you're telling me they're only going to win 85 games. I think a lot of that is based off of the fact that we saw them almost be a fluke last year, but they won 107 games. If they have a difference of 24 games, uh, different from last year, that to me is surprising. They're not going to win 107 again. They should win 85, 87, 88, uh, and put themselves in the wild card conversation. So uh, San, San Francisco at 84 and a half, way undervalued for me, uh, and, and a team that I really like win total this year. All right, coming up next, uh, we will look at the NFL draft. Eric Gettleman of Yahoo Sports will join us. Could we get a quarterback? Going number one overall. We'll discuss that next right here on Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zeno. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zeno. You're listening and watching the Visa the Sports Betting Network. Masters round or the opening day in the opening round of the Masters rather are the same day so that first week of April we jam-packed with betting intel from our experts we'll have a breakdown of every golfer in the field plus futures bets and matchups from the long shots Brady Cannon Wes Reynolds and Matt Eumann sign up today and get full access to VSIN through the start of baseball season the Masters and the NFL draft for only $19 at vsin.com slash spring Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here. I'm Mark Zinno. As we continue here on Sunday morning, give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno. Appreciate you guys spending your Sunday morning with us as we turn our attention back to the NFL and the upcoming NFL draft. And joining us now to break that down is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. And like all great men, he makes twins just like me. Eric, how are the kids doing? Hope you're well. Great to be here with you. Yeah, keeping them alive. That's, uh, that's about the best I can say. But we're doing well and hope your boys are doing well, too. They are. All right. Uh, right now, uh, at the top of the draft board, installed as the number one overall pick, at least the favorite, is Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, we saw some Evan Neal love come in earlier. He's now fallen. Trevon Walker is there as well. Kayvon Thibodeau told everybody it's crazy if you think he's not the best player in the draft. And listen, the best player in the draft and the guy who goes number one overall aren't always the same thing. So who do you think will be number one, and is that the best player? Yeah, I mean, I think that early Neal speculation was a little bit of dart throwing. I think, you know, people sort of looked at the situation without a whole lot of buzz coming out of Jacksonville. So, well, you know, Trevor Lawrence seems to tackle. And, you know, it, it became pretty obvious. I, I got a couple of minutes with Doug Peterson at the Combine, and, and I just said, hey, you know, if you take a tackle number one, what – what do you have to see? Because he was in Kansas City when the, when the Chiefs took Eric Fisher first. It was a similar draft, and the, the, were, there weren't a lot of blue chip guys in that draft at the top. And he said, you know, they've got to be pretty darn special, you know. And it just sort of felt like he was hedging a little bit towards a tackle not being uh, on the plate. And that's right about when Hutchinson's name started emerging. I don't know that people felt like – you know, they would go defensive end or a pass rusher again, but it feels like that's the direction it's going. If there's a name I think that can, can change that, it's Trevon Walker. You know, usually by two weeks out from the draft, most teams picking first have a pretty good idea what they're doing with the pick or, you know, who they're taking. 
I would imagine in the next week as, you know, Jacksonville sort of wraps up its meetings and things like that, as long as it's not blown away by offers, those are probably the two guys, Hutch and Walker. You know, it's hard to know. I would think Hutchinson comes with a little bit more credibility because of the season he had last year. He's been blowing people away in interviews. Uh, but Walker's athletic traits are just a little freakier, a little twitchier. The production isn't quite as good. It's a fascinating debate because I don't think either one of these guys were, you know, even as late as November, considered possible number one overall picks. I would think, Eric, uh, that at number two, whoever goes number one, um, yeah. It's one of those things to handicap number two. It, it, it's going to be a defensive player. If if, uh, if the Detroit Lions uh, and Dan Campbell don't select a defensive player, I would be completely shocked, given this is a guy who talked about biting kneecaps. And I think that's the kind of player and the kind of identity that he wants. Now, again, they were a competitive team last year, much more competitive than a lot of people thought. But I would guess that Dan Campbell wants to, to run out that defense with a pass rusher and a guy who can go eat a quarterback's kneecaps. I think it's whoever doesn't go one between Hutchinson and Walker. And, and like you said earlier, right, it's, it's, you know, the first player isn't always the best pick. And, and you know, the, 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 the plan B at number one isn't always plan A at number two. But this is an unusual year. I mean, it's, it's hard to really handicap who the true studs are in this class. I think for a long time people thought maybe Kyle Hamilton was that guy. His slow times and his pro day of, you know, kind of – caused people to question, hey, is that is that speed real? I mean, can he run on the field? That's, I think, the biggest question. But a safety at number two, boy, hasn't happened since, I think, 91. I think Belichick took Eric Turner at two. I don't believe a safety's gone in the first two picks since then. So I, I tend to think that it's either going to be Hutchinson or Walker. My feeling is that the Lions would prefer Hutchinson, not just because of geographic reasons, you know, the fact that he grew up around Detroit and played at Michigan. I mean, Sure, that's nice. It's nice to have a kid from local area, and obviously people know his reputation. But I, I think they feel like Hutchinson's demeanor is a perfect fit for what Dan Campbell wants to do. You know, and player-wise, obviously you're getting a, a tremendous talent too. But I, I think that's their preference. And one of the biggest questions about Walker is we're projecting his sack production at the next level. He was a, a five-sack guy. Granted, it was a loaded defense, but – it's still a leap of faith. I think this is a player that would have gone somewhere around 15th last year. Now he's possibly one or two. Still, that's if I had to hedge and guess, I would say those are the two best bets or most likely picks at number two. Eric, for my money, when we get to the third pick, that is possibly the best place to get a quarterback selected. It's not necessarily by the Houston Texans, although they say they're committed to Davis Mills, I would argue that maybe that they would look at getting a younger quarterback. But when you look at the top five or six teams there, we know Jacksonville isn't going to take a quarterback. Uh, doesn't mean they can't trade, but I'm just saying generically as far as the teams are concerned. I think the Detroit Lions are pretty satisfied with with uh, Jared Goff at this point um, as far as his level of play that they wouldn't draft one. We know the Jets have Zach Wilson. The Giants openly say they're committed to Daniel Jones for at least one more year. But the Texans and then Carolina are the two teams that may be quarterback starved, or at least if somebody like Seattle wanted to move up and go get a quarterback, three would be the most opportune time to do it, especially with the Texans who may be willing to trade, trade back and get more draft capital. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, I think, I think Nick Cassero would love that scenario to play out. Uh, I think that would be the ideal uh, spot for them. Not that they wouldn't, you know, feel good about somebody at three that that's still available. I think, you know, offensive tackles, offensive linemen certainly is, is the way they could go. And I say that because they technically have two tackles right now that they, you know, like a, a decent amount. Uh, it's obviously you could go the Jonathan Ogden route and play uh, either Evan Neal or Rick and McQuanu at, at, at guard for a year. They're not going to hang on to Laramie Tunsil long term, I don't believe. So that that's a real strong possibility if they're if they're staying at three. But if they can convince one of those teams, right, or if they can get Seattle, you know, uh, to to jump up with their new newfound draft capital, you know, the the first and the two picks in the low forties, you know, that that would be really interesting. And I think Casario would love that scenario where you could just drop back six spots and still get a really good football player. I think so. But staying there, you know, Iquanu makes a lot of sense. He sort of fits, I think, what what I can imagine Casario wanting in, a, in an offensive lineman, looking at the Patriots' history and, you know, his versatility and the fact that he's got A-plus character and 
you know, a beast in the run game. You can work with him on some of the pass pro stuff, and he took a big leap last year. So, yeah, I think Carolina at six is an obvious one. They're really debating, like, boy, if we take Malik Willis at six, we don't have a pick again until the fourth round. That means, realistically, almost no true rookie contributors. If you take Kenny Pickett at six, are you – are you taking such a more of a high floor, low ceiling player that you would normally never take at six? That's a tough debate for them. So I, I really don't know what, which way Carolina is going to go. Tackle would be the fallback option, but boy, I, it, it certainly feels like Carolina is in a really tough spot either way right now. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, if you look at the quarterback thirsty teams in the top 10, Honestly, it's Carolina, it's Atlanta, and it's Seattle. If for whatever reason they, the three of those teams pass, could we? I, I know Houston picks again uh, in the first round, but I mean, is it feasible that we we don't get a quarterback taken to the high teens, low twenties scenario? It's possible. Yeah, it's funny because there seem to be two camps out there. I mean, I it, when I sort of made some calls last week and asked people generically, what you know some teams that are looking to maybe draft a quarterback, possibly not first round, but you know, it's somewhere in the first uh, few rounds, how many go in the top 10 that I got a lot of ones, you know, I think, I think the feeling is that there's still going to be, whether it's six Carolina, nine Seattle, possibly one of those teams moving up. Those feel like the most likely scenarios. I, I, I'm starting to think that there may not be a second one in the top 10, and there may not even be one. It's possible. It's entirely possible that, you know, Carolina says our best option is actually to trade down, and maybe they can get one of those two quarterbacks a little bit lower. But it's somebody coming up who, in this draft where there really aren't a lot of, you know, sure things, high-end prospects, moving down is going to be very, very tough, I think, for a lot of those teams unless it's a team coming up for a quarterback. So, it's a risky run. You maybe if you feel good about picking in those in that teen range, you can move down and not worry about passing on Malik Willis. I, I I'm fascinated. I think where the quarterbacks go obviously will kind of shape the first round. And, and it, right now, it's it's hard to project how it's going to all fold out. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've said repeatedly. Waiting to draft your quarterback in the future to me is a flawed strategy. If that's your guy, and as much as a Giants fan, yeah. I, I love a Daniel Jones, I give them credit for at least saying, this is our guy, we're moving up to get him, this is where we want him, we're not going to wait. I think that's the only yeah. – one of these quarterbacks is going to be a good, viable option in this league, right? So we'll see who it is. Eric Edholm, Yahoo Sports. Thanks for the time as always, brother. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. All right, man. You too, right. man. See ya. Coming up next, I will uh, hand out my picks for the day in the national championship in college. That's next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday. The KFC chicken sandwich is always served straight hot from the fryer. That's why it's finger licking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zinno. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us here on VSIN, the sports betting network. A big day of uh, NBA coming up as well. The national championship tomorrow night. We get the Masters underway this week as well. And Major League Baseball gets underway. So still plenty to look forward to here uh, in the coming week uh, of betting and gambling action. And we didn't really get a chance to talk about the Masters. But uh, uh, there certainly is going to be a lot of interest. And the rumors are now floating out there. Tiger Woods may play in this thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if he does, it's, it, you know. It's always going to be an interesting draw. I don't think it'll be competitive, but uh, that said, you know, it, it's always fun to watch Tiger out on the course, especially at Augusta. Um, me personally, you know, as far as golfers are concerned, I'm a huge Brooke Kepska, Brooke, Brooks Kepka and uh, Jordan Spieth fan. Those are kind of like the two guys that I follow the most on tour. Uh, so I, 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 those are the guys I'm always kind of personally rooting for. But when you look at numbers and everything else, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting to see uh, John Rahm installed as one of the favorites. Uh, clearly, he's playing very good, uh, very good golf at this point in time. So, you know, there's a lot there with the uh, with the Masters to look at and, uh, and and go forward. So enjoy the tournament coming up this week. All right. On to the games for uh, for today. Uh, and well, let's get to the national championship first. Then I'll get to the NBA and the NHL and the games that I like today. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, I, I'm going to take UNC plus the points here in this spot. Uh, team of destiny, maybe. Uh, I just the rebounding advantage for me is too much to overlook uh, when it comes to a team like Kansas that wants to get out in transition. Uh, you're asking Kansas to pivot and play one style against Villanova and then a completely different style against the UNC team. Although UNC has expended a ton of emotional energy in beating Duke. Uh, I still think they'll keep this thing close enough uh, to to force Kansas, you know, into a game where they can cover that number. I do like Kansas minus two and a half in the first half as Matt Joseph, uh, who joined us earlier from bet us uh, said, you know, with all the emotional energy that UNC ex- expounded in the game against Duke, they will come out a little bit sluggish. Uh, they only got 13 bench minutes from anybody in the game uh, in the national semifinal last night. So you may be talking about tired legs on a quick turnaround. Kansas can take advantage. They get to get a little bit deeper into their bench against Villanova. It didn't have to be pushed as hard. Clearly, again, they weren't playing their rival like UNC was. So uh, I like Kansas minus two and a half in the first half. But I think UNC does enough in the second half uh, to to keep this game close. And I love the advantage that UNC has on the boards. Uh, as far as the total in that game at 153, I'll just say it's over or pass. Uh, don't get a really strong feeling. I just don't think you should sweat out an under in this game. There's no reason to. Both of these teams will uh, play to their strengths. And that's it playing up fast and, and shooting a lot and, and scoring a lot because that's what they do. So <clears throat> I kind of would like to see UNC win the thing. That's just personally, uh, it's nothing against Kansas or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it's kind of cool to watch a legitimate program and I know they're an eight seed, but I don't look UNC is never a Cinderella. You know, they have multiple national championship ha- banners hanging. They're never a Cinderella. I don't care what number is next to their name. So they're not considered a Cinderella, but watching this run has been pretty impressive. I'd like to see them finish it off. So uh, let's take UNC plus four and a half, but Kansas minus two and a half in the first half of that game in the national championship tomorrow night. Uh, let's look towards the NBA today. Uh, just two games. I have my eye on as official plays for me, Philadelphia on the road against the Cleveland Cavaliers laying four and a half Cleveland's last three wins have come against the Knicks, the magic and the Pistons. Uh, other than that, they're two, seven and one against the number over their last 10 games. Um, 
Philadelphia is a great road team against the number 22 and 16 as far as their road record against the spread is concerned. Philadelphia's offense is on fire. Cleveland's defense is not. Cleveland has been fading for the last couple of weeks now, and this sort of could be the dagger for the Cavaliers as far as their chance to get out of the play-in tournament uh, where they had been sitting above that six line pretty much all season long. Uh, they have slipped into the play-in tournament. Uh, not a good spot for them, but I think Philadelphia finishes them off today. Uh, and Philly, after a bad loss to the Clippers, where they lost by 34, should bounce back in pretty uh, respectable fashion. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Philly. That wasn't Philly who lost by 34. That was the Bucks who lost by 34. But uh, getting my games confused. I've been handicapping so much today. Uh, but Philadelphia should have enough offense in this game to get over the hump, um, especially since Cleveland's coming off of back-to-back as well as is Philly after they beat up Charlotte last night. That's what it was. They beat up Charlotte last night. So although probably a little bit of a lower scoring game than, than I would think, but still I'll back the Philly, the Phillies, Philadelphia 76ers uh, laying the four and a half situational game for me uh, between the magic and the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks lost to Cleveland yesterday uh, by 18 points. And so, you know, this is a team right now that, has shut down Julius Randle. They have nothing to play for. They got eliminated this week from the playoffs. Uh, I look at them and go, they they have they have no emotional energy for this. The Magic are bad, but the Magic catching five points here at home is purely situational. The Magic might win the game outright. Uh, I think one of these teams, at least one of these teams, is held to under 100 points. It's probably going to be the Knicks because they don't have any scoring left whatsoever. Uh, and the Magic may get a win at home here, but I think the spot's situational, uh, and I'll back Orlando getting five points uh, in the NBA. A couple other games real quick in the NBA that I have my eye on. haven't made official plays on them yet. We talked about Dallas and Milwaukee. Milwaukee was the team that's coming off a bad loss to the L.A. Clippers where they gave up 34. But so is Dallas, uh, where they lost by 34, rather. Dallas had a bad loss to Washington um, by 32 on the road. Uh, so this is a big contest between a very offensive-minded team in the Bucks, a very defensive-minded team in the Mavericks. Uh, but this is a spot where... I trust the Milwaukee Bucks, and I trust their offense. I don't know that Dallas can slow down Giannis. It's going to be fun to watch Luka and Giannis go back and forth, two MVP candidates, you know, in a situation where uh, they're on the same floor at the same time. Uh, but can you ask Dallas to keep Milwaukee into the 107-110 range? That's what they're going to have to do if they have any chance at winning and covering this game. Uh, Minnesota's offense, uh, Minnesota, Milwaukee's offense, rather, has been averaging 120 points per game over their last 10 games. It's really tough to slow them down, so I don't know that they'll be able to do it. I'll back the Bucks here. Miami and Toronto, Miami on a back-to-back. They played last night and won. They beat Chicago. Toronto, well-rested at home. You have a situation where Miami has to fly north across the border and, uh, uh, and play a game. Uh, a day after playing another game against a Toronto team that his defense has been really good as of late, uh, giving up just 103 points per game over their last 10. They're scoring 112. It's the Miami defense that's lagged a little bit over their last 10 games, allowing 108 points per game and only scoring 109. But Miami is the best three-point shooting team in the NBA, and that always is a great equalizer. So it's a little bit tough sometimes to um, to count them out as an underdog because they can shoot the three so well. But given this is a short number at three and a half, uh, Toronto is the hotter team, the better team right now. And uh, I, I can back them laying the three and a half in that spot. All right. Uh, a couple more games here to get to. We're actually going to go on the ice uh, for the NHL. Two games in the NHL that I'm looking at, the New York Rangers and Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, first period totals have been great to me all year long. They're easy handicaps. They're tough to figure out. There are teams that are good at it. There are teams that are bad at it. They are, are, are teams that follow these trends repeatedly. And the New York Rangers are one of the best under teams in the first period in the NHL. And so from that standpoint, I can I can back them. I can back them. In the first period, I apologize. My kids are walking in my studio here. Um, I'll back the Rangers in the first period under with Philadelphia as they are uh, a plus 112 number here in the first period under the New York Islanders as well. Uh, uh, the New York Islanders today taking on the New Jersey Devils. Um, I'm going to take the Islanders on the puck line minus one and a half at plus 160. Again, I apologize for the distraction in the background to everybody watching and listening. Uh, I have three six-year-olds at home, so yeah, shoot me in the face. As long as Ilya Sorokin is playing for the New York Islanders today, um, I will I will back them on the puck line. Minus one and a half. The Islanders have won three in a row. They're scoring at the right time, and the Devils are a bad team, uh, so I'll take the Islanders here. Uh, plus 160 on the puck line. 
All right. Uh, I should probably just get out of here right now before my kids overtake the entire show here and they won't stop fighting. Uh, so I apologize very, very much so. Matt, is there any way to extricate me from this situation just a moment earlier? Because this isn't going to be any fun for me whatsoever. What's the odds that these people get a spanking for me right after this is over? I'm going to say it's pretty good. That's where we're going to go with here. All three of these kids are going to be punished right after this right now, as you can hear them fighting in the background. So uh, what are the odds that it is, it is Chinese water torture? Maybe we'll waterboard them. Um, maybe. Maybe I'll lock them in a dark closet. I don't know. A lot of this is probably going to get me in trouble for saying it after this, but I'm thoroughly embarrassed and I sincerely apologize uh, for my kids' interruption right here. Uh, but anyway, as I was saying, Rangers and Philadelphia first period under. Islanders minus one and a half on the puck line. Yes, now everybody can laugh and enjoy this. Uh, it, that'll take care of it for me here on Point Spread Sunday uh, as we. <laughs> Uh, I hope you guys have a great Sunday afternoon. What's the situation here, Matt? What do we got left? 30 seconds? Dear Lord. You guys have a great, wonderful Sunday. Enjoy the national championship. Enjoy the Masters Major League Baseball underway. Follow me on Twitter, at Mark Zeno. Appreciate you guys watching and listening to Point Spread Sunday here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.